Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 122 of the Jersnet uh, Podcast. Uh, I'm Colin Armstrong, I'm your host tonight. Uh, as always, as I say to you every week guys, it's not just the pod that we have here at Jersnet. We've got the forums, there's articles, we've social media, there's a history archive on the website as well, so get yourself on there. Uh, if it's your first time uh, watching or listening to us tonight, we would ask you to subscribe to the pod. We have over 4,000 subscribers now, uh, so a big thanks to everyone who's subscribed so far and stayed with us. Uh, the podcast is live tonight. It's Sunday night uh, after Rangers threw at Furhall against Motherwell, which we'll obviously cover tonight. Uh, but the, the show will be available to download or stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, so now I've got all the, the normal gumph out the road. I can bring in my guest. Uh, David Fraser was supposed to be joining us tonight, but he's uh, had a last-minute fitness test and failed, so he's not joining us now. And it's just Ross Bennett. How are you, Ross? i tell you what, it must be a, a very lax fitness test if I'm able to pass it. I have ballooned over Christmas and New Year, so no, I'm happy, though. Well, I mean, as it's, it's that time of year to be happy when we balloon over Christmas, isn't it? You know what I mean? Although January is a bit, yeah. How are you getting through January? It's a bit of a pusser, isn't it? It is. It's tough. Um, it's back to a long slog at work, um, long slog in the football. We're not playing it twice a week anymore, so we're sort of yeah. having, haven't got anything nice to break up the week. All a wee bit shite, really. Yeah, January is, and I think it's Blue Monday tomorrow. I think that's it. It's like the official day where everyone feels at their worst tomorrow. So we'll try and lift everyone's spirits, you know, <laughs> even although Rangers didn't win the day. Uh, quick sort of reflection on that before we get into more detail. Uh, you know, obviously we both watched the game today. Seen a lot of stuff online that, you know, that it's a bit of a disaster and all the rest. Of it. I found it just more a frustrating result rather than a disappointing one. Yeah, um, I was very unhappy. At final whistle, um, but again on reflection, I'm more disappointed in the performance than I am in the result. Um, I think there were some individual performances that we'll come on to that were really, really frustrating. Um, but you, you know, you try and put a pragmatic hat on, and you say we haven't lost any ground, we haven't changed the the points surplus. Um, so it's not a it's not a bad thing that we haven't you know we haven't let Celtic close that gap at all. Um, but it was a frustrating day. It really was a frustrating day. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a feeling that we're not really used to, I think. Obviously, it's only yeah. six points dropped all season, so um, I can't complain. And it was never, what's it, 15 wins in a row that we had. I mean, yeah. Barcelona and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and these clubs don't win 15 matches in a row, even in their most dominant times. Paris Saint-Germain, when they're strolling the, the French top league, they don't tend to win 15 games in a row. Things happen. Um, so yeah, you try and be reasonable and pragmatic about it and say Look, it's one of those things and we're still in a hell of a position Yeah, I, I mean the, the sort of way I'm trying to look at it is we're two points better off than we were at this point last week, you know what I mean, Celtic obviously dropped points on Monday, so last Monday till tomorrow we're, we're two points better off, so that that's how I'm uh, sort of trying to look at it now in terms of the performance again Ross, I I, I didn't think it's, it was it was as bad as as, as many sort of made out. I, I thought first twenty minutes we were slack, mm -hmm. really really slack. We, we, we didn't start well at all, and I think Gerard sort of mentioned that in his his, his post match comments. I, I felt we 
after the goal, we sort of grew into it without actually creating anything. You know, I think Morelos had that chance in the first half, the header that just went wide. But other than that, you know, it was it was all possession based without actually breaking them down. But I thought in the second half we actually played okay. We just seemed to 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 lack that cutting edge and to get the goal. You know, if you think Connor Golson had a good chance, it was cleared off the line. Yeah. Uh, there was that one we were talking about before we came on air when Tavernier headed it across the face of goal. It's literally bouncing across the face of goal. All it needs is somebody to come in and tap it in. Uh, you know, Aribo missed a, missed a really, really good opportunity. So, uh, as I said, it was frustrating performance, but I, I genuinely don't think it was as bad as many made out. I think the result sort of blinkered some people's views on, on, on the performance. I think the second half, we basically hemmed them in and they couldn't get out. I can't recall McGregor having to do anything at all in the second half. Uh, it's just frustrating, you know, as we said earlier on, that we, we couldn't get that, that, that second goal and, and get the three points. Yeah, and I suppose it's just a little bit alien in a season where we've been so potent up front. Um, I, I, you know, I think we'll probably come on and talk about players that are missing and the impact that they could have had, but Kamar Ruth would have offered something different today. Scott Arfield would have offered something different today. And, and that, that should be taken into consideration. But we were absolutely, 20, 21 minutes onwards, we were absolutely the dominant team. But I'd be interested to hear what you think. I think the last six weeks, maybe two months, we have started games slowly. Like, you think to Aberdeen, you think back to the Celtic game, even going back a few weeks before that, We've started games really slowly. Aberdeen last week were really hammering in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes and it was a little bit tense and a little bit nervy and we knew we were in a game. It happened again today and they scored bang on 20 minutes today. Um, first 20 minutes of the old firm, you know, I was I was in pieces. I was really, really nervous. So that seems to be that seems to be an issue. And, uh, you know, I think I'm right in saying Stephen Gerrard's post-match comments today were last week we stopped playing at 60 minutes. This week, we've not shown up in the first half. We need to have a 90-minute performance. And I think that that is it's quite an astute observation. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We have been sort of slacking off at times. Uh, but I think, again, the positive is that it's not had you know, too detrimental an effect on the results anyway. Certainly some of the performances haven't been at that high level earlier on, but I'm still, I'm still, I mean, we have to be happy where we are. You know, we're, we're 21 points clear. I know Celtic have games in hand, but we're in a very, very strong position. Another thing that sort of Stephen Gerrard mentioned uh, going into the game, you know, Motherwell sacked Stephen Robinson a couple of weeks ago, uh, appointed Graham Alexander, and it got, I, I, I watched I watched the Motherwell game last week against St. Mern. In the first half, they were quite impressive. Second half, they faded away. A wee bit similar to today. You know, they've, they've come out sort of ready to go and then sort of tailed off. They, 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 they couldn't keep the, the tempo going. But Stephen Gerrard kind of uh, warned about, you know, it's always the case when a new man comes in, you get a bit of a reaction. And he'd sort of said on Friday at his press conference that his players needed to be aware of that. And again, talking about you know, not starting properly. It didn't seem like we did take that into consideration. You know, we, we beat Motherwell quite convincingly there earlier on in the season. I think it was 5-1. We sort of huffed and puffed against the the two banks of five that they played at Ibrox. But it was it was going to be different today. You know what I mean? Because it's a, it's a different manager. And I, I think Stephen Gerrard was looking for his players to be aware of that and, and prepared for that. But it doesn't seem that they were. No, you're absolutely right. The new manager bounce is... is well proven to to have a real effect and it's it's the reason that none of us want Celtic to sack Neil Lennon because they could get someone in and have a bounce 
Um, and you could see that Motherwell, Motherwell set up a wee bit differently. You know, if you look at it tactically, they um, very clearly playing out from the back without really having the players with the calibre to play out from the back. Um, they had a bit of a higher block until they went 1-0 up. And there were wee things had changed, but I think the biggest change for them is is mentally. Um, and the Sky commentators were sort of referring to that when they were talking about Motherwell have Scottish international players who do well in international duty um, and just need a bit of belief. And maybe Graham Alexander will instill that because I think he's a decent manager. Um, and you're right that perhaps our players were a bit cocky and, and underestimated that because there was no... These these players at Motherwell are playing to impress their new manager. Right, It's the first home game. So it's the first game that most of their fans will see them play under the new manager. The manager's under a bit more scrutiny because it's at home and all of the Motherwell season ticket holders will be watching it on Motherwell TV or whatever, or, or on Sky, of course. Um, so there was always going to be a bit of extra energy and just that extra couple of percent from Motherwell. And obviously it leads to them getting a goal and then it leads to them defending for their lives. And I thought they actually defended pretty well. Yeah. And, and that probably ties into what you're saying, that we played okay second half. And we couldn't we couldn't break them down. We missed some chances, and we should have done better, of course. But yeah, I, I think that I don't know. Did one or two players think that this game was was won already? That we've beaten Motherwell twice this season. They're bottom of the league. Just sacked the manager. This will be easy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd, you know, I was I was out for a walk with my kids yesterday, and I was avoiding the Celtic game. You know, I, I tend to find that if I avoid it, they. they they don't get a good result the minute I tune in. It goes all wrong. So I was just out and about for a nice wee stroll. Uh, and my mate texts me at full time to say, you know, that's it, they've dropped points. And and I reply to him saying, you know, well, you know, Stephen Gerrard doesn't need a team talk tomorrow. The players should be like caged animals wanting to get out there and extend this lead further. And it felt to me that it was more what you're sort of suggesting there, that they were like, oh, this might just be done. We can just turn up. And as you say, new manager bounce, Motherwell were a wee bit, they had a wee bit more zip about them, a wee bit more energy in those those early exchanges. And we paid the price for it. On the Motherwell goal, you know, I, I mean, I thought Cole done well. He, he sort of picked up at the throw-in, thought he'd done well, protected the ball, got it out wide. Uh, and then it's came back into him and he's and he's, he's tapped it in. But it, it's, it's something I think, I know we've uh, conceded a ridiculously small amount of goals this season. But even so, there is a trend. In, in my opinion, and that's balls coming into the box, crosses that we are not defending well enough. And I've seen a couple of comments online after it, people having a go at Balogun, saying his positioning was wrong. I actually think Kamara is, has got a lot to do with this because he, he turns his back to Tony Watt and, and doesn't track the run, and that allows Watt to, to, to pick out the cross. So uh, although Motherwell had started well and they played well from a defensively point of from a Defensive point of view, sorry, and from a Rangers point of view, a really, really poor goal to concede. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, in a way similar to the goal that they scored against us at Ibrox, um, where it's that, like you say, ball across the face, someone at the back post tapping it in first time. So it's difficult that we never learned a lesson from that. Disappointing. I don't think I wouldn't blame Balogun necessarily. Could he have been the other side of the player potentially? But. Um, I don't know, maybe he's gambling on which player he's trying to track because it was it Alan Campbell was coming in behind him and he's he's got to make a decision. Um yeah, Kamara wasn't a good game for Kamara. It wasn't a good game for Glenn Kamara today. And that was uh, kind of you're you're right, you know, I didn't I didn't notice that the first time I seen it. 
um, that Kamara lost Tony Watt. And Tony Watt was playing out of his skin today because he hates us and he wants to do well against us. Um, Scored against Barcelona, by the way. Do you know that? No, no, never heard. Ah, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really disappointing. It's really frustrating. It, it also, it now suggests a weakness. Um, and because we play with such high wing backs or high full backs, we are going to have gaps at that side. If you can get a team with pace down the wing, we might have gaps where you can get in behind the full backs. And, and if that's all you have to do is um, whip the ball across the face. Is it the corridor of confusion? They call it? Corridor, the corridor of, of uncertainty. uncertainty. Uh, corridor of confusion sounds better. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you, put, you just put it in there. We were having a wee chat offline before we started off here um, where you said, could McGregor have come for it? Probably not because it's right in that corridor. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's frustrating that we seem to have a little weakness there. Is it a weakness that's that's maybe appeared since Brian Jack's been out the side? You know, I, I sometimes wonder because Rangers do push their, their fullbacks forward. You know that that is part of uh, you know how we score goals. You know, we're asking the fullbacks to to push forward. So you're the, you're then asking your 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 sitting midfielders to do a bit of covering. Is is that sort of job maybe? not the sort of job that the likes of Kamara and Aribo are good at, you know what I mean? You're, you're maybe needing people like your Ryan Jackson or Scott Arfield's in there. Possibly. Um, I wouldn't say Scott Arfield so much. I don't think he's quite as defensively minded. But Ryan Jack, I don't believe that we would have conceded the goal last week against Aberdeen had Ryan Jack been playing uh, maybe instead of Joe Aribo. Yeah. Because Joe Aribo switched off and he lost Matty Kennedy. Um, the difference today was that Today's goal was sort of in slow motion, there was, you know, and we were so passive. The ball wasn't being zipped about at 30 mile an hour. It was slow and deliberate passing from Motherwell. And that's kind of the frustration that no one just got a hold of the ball or took a grip of the situation. Um, and that's not Glenn Kamara. Glenn Kamara is never going to be that, um, I don't know, resolute or sturdy defender, but it's a slightly different goal to what we lost last week. I I don't I wouldn't necessarily just blame Kamara. I wouldn't just blame Balogun. I just think the whole team was was a were pedestrian in the first twenty minutes, and and it allowed Motherwell to just pass the ball around us, um, and to go from a throw in on the halfway line to conceding that goal was. Uh, I just think it's it's pretty poor. Yeah, and I I do. I mean, it's. You made a good point there in terms of Aribo switched off for for Aberdeen's goal last week. You know, I think Kamara could have done a lot better today. I think he's just turned his back on Tony Watt and, and not tracked to run. You know, so the last two goals you can say have came from individual errors within the team. And I do wonder if someone like Ryan Jack just provides that little bit more savviness when it comes to protecting the back four. Yeah. Uh, sorry, on you go. The- I think it's a real relief that it sounds like he'll be back and probably sounds like he'll maybe be starting against Hibs because Hibs potentially have the players to exploit that. You know, if you've got... I know Scott Allen's obviously out with his with his illness, and that's one thing. But if you've got players like... Uh, is it Nisbet up front that Hibs have? Uh, Martin Boyle, incredibly pacey. Not a lot else, but a lot of pace. Those are the kinds of players that can exploit that and get in behind your fullbacks. Um, so hopefully... Ryan Jack is back next week and, and can kind of add that extra layer of cover. The question is, who do you who do you drop? Because if you drop Joe Aribo and you've got uh, Ryan Jack, Steve Davis, Glenn Kamara, the, where's your creative? Yeah, yeah. 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 
on on the second half, Ross, we created. I thought we created, you know, four or five really really good chances. You had the corner goals had one, as I said, they were on the header that, that was off the line. Uh, Muller kind of clear that it comes back in, and the Joe Rebo one that came from that. You know, it, it, it seemed like it seemed like it was easily scored. In my opinion, you know, when the ball sat from it sat on his left foot and he's, he's blazed it over the bar. Uh, there was a one we talked about with the, when Tavernier just headed it across the face of the goal and, and no Rangers player has followed up in the play and, you know, and that's a tap-in. And the one right at the end from uh, Defoe. Now, it seems to me that he's done the the hard thing in the way he brought it down. The way he brought it down was sublime. You know, a lovely touch to bring it down, turn and set himself up. And he hit it at the one place where the, where the goalkeeper was standing. You know, if he'd hit it anywhere else, it was in. Just you know, is it a bit of a concern that we've created those chances and we we, we couldn't we couldn't get the three points? Um, possibly. I mean, like I said earlier, we've been very potent in attack over the season, and we are missing a couple of uh, a couple of players who are likely to score goals. Kamar Roof has been an excellent goal scoring form, and and you look at the two goals that he scored against Motherwell what, six weeks two months ago. It was that kind of the balls bouncing around the box. It's a wee bit scrappy. It's not beautiful football so he can he can score those kind of goals and get himself in the right place um, Scott Arfield as well kind of has a knack of doing that the ball will break to him in the box um, I think to a degree Motherwell should be commended on their defending I think they rode their luck a wee bit as well um, so possibly just one of those days where it, where it wasn't happening for us and that's that's okay you know that happens you have an off day um, so I'm not I'm not too concerned. I still think that we have goals all over the pitch. I think that what's possibly more concerning is the dip in form of some of the other players who might contribute with goals. With you know uh, Ryan Ken Tavernier, they're not scoring as many goals anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's possibly explaining why we're winning games with one or two goals as opposed to three, four, or five as we were earlier in the season. Mm. Um, but we are. We're still missing key players and we're still picking up points. And today was the first time in a long time that we've dropped points. So it, it, it doesn't concern me too much. On Ryan Kent, uh, I mean, I, I thought he had a, a horrible game. I know we were discussing before we came on here and Frankie thought that he sort of started the game pretty well. But I think for the last two, maybe three months, you know, he, he looks like a player who is really, really struggling to, to recapture. I mean, early on in the season, he looked like he had stepped up a level. You know, he was scoring. He was, he was. Teams couldn't live with him. You know, he was just being so creative and, and scoring goals. And now he looks the total opposite of that. You know, and is it again? Is that a bit concerned? I find it a bit concerned, and I'm a little bit uh, questioning why he's. You know, if, if if other other people drop their form to the level that he's dropped it, you know, you would think they would come out of the team. You know, what I mean. And he seems to be one that's always in. There's maybe not a huge amount of options available on, on, on that side. But one, is, is his form concerning? And two, is it maybe time to, to, to consider another option and take him out of the team for a bit? Um, well, he, I'm, I'm actually just frantically Googling our, um, our results because he was, he was dropped, was he not, for the... The game just before the old firm. I'm just going back and looking through it now. Was it the St Mirren game in the league? I'm sure he was dropped yeah, out of that. He, 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 that's team. Oh, that yeah. team sorry, yeah. He came back in for the old firm because he has a habit of doing well in old firms. And I thought he was okay in this old firm. Played well last week, though. 
no, he had a really good game last yeah. week, I thought, and and would have been harsh to drop him today. But yeah, yes, there are. I, I thought he was poor today. I didn't think he offered much. I thought he made the wrong decision too many times, got caught in two minds too many times, ran into players too many times. It was it was a really really frustrating day, and I'm sure he'll be frustrated by that, and he'll know that his performance levels have dropped. I he, look, I, he, look, he looks frustrated. I think he looks yeah. like a player that knows he's not playing well at the moment. Yeah, but you know, Ryan Kent would like to be playing beautiful football in the San Siro or on Wembley or at Anfield or somewhere glamorous with a lovely turf, um, not Fir Park. You know, and it's that'll be his excuse is that you know this isn't the type of football that I like to play and it's not the grass or it's not the, the turf that I like to play on and it's it's just not the right setting for him. And and wingers are confidence players as well. You know, wingers are are notoriously going through good and bad spells. So it's a bad spell for Ryan Kent at the moment. I would expect he probably will find himself out of the team because the voice is calling for him to be dropped again a wee bit louder. Um, we have, I mean, who do you, who would you replace him with? Brandon Barker? Yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? There's also another, there's another aspect that I still think, even though he's not playing well, the team's set up mm. to nullify him. So even without playing well, teams are still setting up and keeping an eye on him. And sometimes that's enough to take someone else out the equation. You know what I mean? The, the, the two players just nullify one another, if you know what I mean. So that, there is that, you know, that there's an indirect sort of contribution in terms of, you know, in their build-up and in their team talks coming up to playing against Rangers. Teams are focusing on Ryan Kent and that maybe gives other players a wee bit more space and a bit of an opportunity. But to the naked eye, you're looking at the, the boy thinking... He's not playing really. He, he probably should come out the team. Yeah, it's 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 difficult because he does attract players. He attracts players to come in and nullify the threat that he poses, and he wins a lot of fouls, of course, doing what yeah. he does. Maybe more of the problem. I'm not trying to find excuses for him because I do think he's been poor, but maybe more of the problem is that players like Kamara, maybe even Steve Davis or Joe Arrivo, aren't making those runs ahead. You know, I, I always find Kamara can be quite a restrained and quite a negative player. Um, I mean, right, negative is a harsh word, but a very tidy and a very sort of yeah. conservative player. Um, so maybe he's just not getting players, not seeing his teammates with the same kind of vision to make the runs so that whilst Kent has drawn two defenders towards him, someone else has the space to nip him behind. So maybe things just aren't quite clicking in that way. But, but I think you're right that just having that name on the team sheet, the other teams know what he can do. Yeah. And that's why we're so frustrated. Is, is that we know what he can do because we saw how electric he was the first five games of the season. So uh, it's a dip in form. I have no doubt that it'll it'll remedy. Turn. On to the goal, big said the Ted came on, came on after like fifty five minutes, I think it was. So he's a player I like, Ross. I like him. Uh, I, I, he's, he's obviously not the, the fully formed player yet, but I, I think he holds up the play well. Uh, I think he leads the line well. I think he. He, he does all the good things like you know winning fouls and all that kind of a thing. Still a wee bit raw, but he like he likes a goal against Motherwell, uh, and he wasn't offside. I have to say that I know there was a bit of a, a sort of hoo ha about him being offside. Wasn't offside, and he took it well. Uh, uh, a great header for the boy. Yeah, he did. He did really well. Um, obviously, the defending I think was was shocking from them peeling away from him, but um, he took it really well. I, I love him. I think he's great. Uh, I think. He does absolutely everything you want him to do. And and with him, Ruth and Morelos, you've got three strikers with three different styles or three different sort of game plans. And 
I think he's could feel maybe a little bit hard done by that he's not getting more opportunities to start mm. potentially. Um, I would not be surprised to see him start next week. I think he's possibly earned that because every time he's come on, he's even when he's not scored, he's definitely brought something. Um, so I'm a I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, I, I'm really impressed when it comes to the goal. What a ball by Barisic! Yeah. I mean, it's it's inch perfect. Uh, and again, this is what I mean when I say that you know we're frustrated with Ryan Kent because we know what he can do. I thought Barisic's delivery all day was really really poor, and then he does that. He thought it was such a good ball. It was so perfectly weighted, perfectly placed. So why were the previous ten hitting yeah, the first man or being overhit? So yeah, it was. Uh, all in all, it was really well worked. It was really satisfying to see Big Seddy score. Um, you get the sense that his attitude is spectacular. Um, I really, really think that there's a there's a real player there. You know what I really loved about it was his his reaction when he scored. He looked absolutely over the moon. You know, but like a wee boy, you know, scoring. You know, and and I love to see that in players. I love to see players enjoying it. Uh, and I was chuffed for him. Every time he comes on, I, I want the boy to do well. And uh, I very, very uh, chuffed for him. Can't sort of wrap up today's events without a wee mention for Stephen Davis. His 300th game, you know, some achievement and a great servant of the club. I mean, uh, Frankie was saying off here that he thought he was our best player. I, I'm starting to feel that, that he's been targeted now, that, 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 that clubs know, that teams know that it starts for him. So, you know, they're trying to, to shut him down. And he's not as quick as he used to be. So I, I do every now and again see him just getting caught out a wee bit. But he's still, you know, he's still a phenomenal player and, and a great servant in the club. He's he's smart, isn't he? He's an intelligent player. And I think you can see that intelligence in the way that he's changed his game. You know, because he's not the same. Was it 2008, 2009 we first brought him in? Yeah. Um, he doesn't play the same role. Clearly, and that's because of maybe physical limitations now. Um, but he's been smart and he's changed his game and he, he brings something that I don't think anyone else does. He does that sort of covering defensive midfield side really, really well, but he still has the vision for the creativity that even though he can't make the surging run anymore, he can still kind of dictate. And yeah, I, I think he's been an excellent servant to the club. Um, I don't know what it, you know if you were if you were Douglas Park, what would you do? Because he's contract up at the end of the season, isn't he? So, do you do you put another contract on the table? Do you have faith that you can get through what is from today another sort of sixteen, seventeen months of football? What would you do? I would. I think he's worth another year at least. Yeah, uh, he's he's not just a class operator on the park. He's you know he's a class operator off it. You know what I mean? And he do, You know I can think of another. Aging midfielder who plays his 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 football in Glasgow, who could do well to look at how Davis conducts himself. You know, I mean, I'm thinking of someone who, you know, in his goal celebration against a Championship side in the Scottish Cup final, felt that it was suitable in his celebration to go and rub it up one of the opposition and all that kind of thing. You don't get that type of stuff from Davis. You know mm. what I mean? He's just on and off the park. He's just a class operator, and he just deals with things in, in such a way that on the park, I think he's still got enough in him. I mean, I, I think you would need to have... I think if all was going well this season, Stephen Davis wouldn't have played the amount of games that he has. I think that, obviously, the, the injury situation to Ryan Kent and Scott Arfield has in, enforced him to, to play pretty much every week at the moment. All things being well, I don't think that would have been happening. I think he would have been managed differently. 
and that's something you can do next year, you know, if, if, he, if, if he gets another year. But I think in, in terms of what he does on the park, uh, I, I certainly think he's worth another year. Yeah. Well, they, it seems to me that they brought in Zungu to maybe try and be that replacement for Davis, and, and Davis hasn't given him a chance to get a sniff. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's still still very int- I'd love to see him score a couple more goals. He scored against... Was it Benfica that he scored against or was it Porto last year? But whoever it was... Again, he scored against St Mirren in the last minute. He scored against St Mirren in that game where we went out. We thought we'd got out it, you know, a couple of minutes yeah. ago. He equalised yeah. and then shot ourselves in the foot. So but it, I think... I think the lack of goals now comes from the fact that he, he can't get up and down the park the way he used to. You know what I mean? So I think he just he's got his area where they can dictate the play and the tempo, and that's it. And he'll, he'll maybe get the odd one here or there. So yeah, he's not going to score the, the same amount of goals. But do I think he's worth a, a, another year at least? That, that I would yeah. certainly say so. Yeah. Now overall, Ross, uh, to wrap up the the sort of chat on today's game, you know, slightly frustrating result, but. You know, all things considered, as I said at the start of the show, we're two points better off than we were at this point last week. You know, I think it's something like 10 wins now that we need to secure the title. If Celtic continue the form that they're showing at the moment, you know, I think they've won six games in 19. If they continue that form, then the amount of games that we need to win the title comes down. You know, slightly disappointing today, but we just need to stay focused and, and stay positive. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hard because... I don't know. I, I find that my brain naturally goes to looking at scenarios of how many, if, if, if they beat us twice and if they win all their games in hands, then they'd only need to win another however many and us lose however many. So you, you sort of start playing out all of these disaster scenarios, but we are still in such a strong, commanding, comfortable position. We really are. The goal difference is good. The goal difference could, you know, it, it, it does make a difference. Um, it sort of turns a 12-point lead into a 13-point lead, I think. So, yeah, look, we're, we're still all systems go. They dropped points. Their form is abysmal. Yes, they have 13 players coming back for the, the midweek game on Wednesday. But have they been training? I don't know. Um, if they have been, then I, I presume they can only be training in their gardens. Does that mean that they'll be fit for Wednesday? Uh, it's um, They're having a full-scale implosion. We've dropped two points. That's that's the difference. Um, yeah, look, we are still heavily, heavily favoured with the bookmakers. We're still heavily favoured with your daily record supercomputer that they roll out every couple of weeks. Um, it's still full steam ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, it's maybe just a wee reminder that we've still got work to do. Maybe it's something that the players needed. Uh, and maybe a wee reminder for some supporters as well, because I saw a lot of, you know, celebrations through the week there, you know, we're in a good position. We're in a very good position. We still need to keep minds focused and, you know, there's still a bit of football to be played. But, you know, if you'd asked for this at the start of the season, you would have, you would have totally accepted it. Uh, just before we move on, Ross County next Saturday, uh, you know, they got a really good result yesterday uh, against Aberdeen 4-1. New manager bounce, you know, and they did cause us a few problems, not so much up the road in Dingwall, but they caused us a few problems at Ibrox. Yeah. So an opportunity to, to get three points on the board, but you know we'll need to be at it again. Yeah, I always think John Hughes has a bit of a smarmy face, so I won't be I won't be sad if we take a few goals off them. I think we need a bit of confidence back. I really do. Yeah. I think that we've um, we've got some good results over the last month, undoubtedly. Old Firm victory, beating Aberdeen away, some really, really good results. But I feel like some fluidity, some fluency in the game has gone. 
Um, and I think that a bit of confidence would, would do wonders. Um, I always think that momentum is absolutely massive in football. And it feels like we are at a point where we could start to stutter a wee bit. And even if we do stutter, we've got such a big buffer that it shouldn't make a difference. And thankfully, Celtic are so poor that it shouldn't make a difference. But momentum's massive in football. And, and coming off a difficult result like today, where egos will have taken a bit of a knock, where I, I think it's clear that Gerard has put a rocket up the players after that game today. Um, hopefully, they'll sort of be out with a point to prove. And, and you couldn't really ask for a much better game than Ross County at home. OK, fine, new manager bounce, but... It's Ross County at home. There's no excuse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's January, as we discussed earlier on, Blue Monday tomorrow. We're all feeling a bit sad and a bit miserable, more so because it's lockdown and we can't go anywhere or do anything. But it also means, you know, the January transfer window uh, comings and goings. Now, I spoke to David Wren uh, about this on the, the, the preview show on Friday, the, the talk around... Uh, What's his name? Scott Wright from Aberdeen. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at my agenda here and I'm, I'm all over the shop. Uh, now, looking at it on Friday, you know, that apparently there was some talk about him signing a pre-contract, but it looks like the two clubs are actually looking to do business a bit quicker and get it tied up in January with either someone from, from, from Rangers going in another direction or some tweaking in the, the Ross-McCrory deal. Is he a player that you know a great deal about, Ross? Do you, do you rate him or... Do I, um, yeah, I think he did. I, I didn't know a great deal about him, honestly. Um, I'd love to say yes. Uh, I've, I've been watching his career for years, but no, I didn't know a great deal about him. Um, but I, I didn't know a great deal about Glenn Kamara until we signed him, yeah. honestly. Um, I only knew about Brandon Barker because I remember him playing against us for hips and he caused us a wee bit of trouble. But other than that, Jordan Jones, again, similar. Don't really remember much to do with him. Maybe a, a couple more mentions, but. No, he, he is. It, it did come slightly out of the blue um, that, that this was going on. But I can imagine that there's not much of a place for Jordan Jones in our squad. There's probably not much of a place for Greg Stewart anymore. Um, these players are probably finding their way closer and closer to the exit door every day. Uh, so I don't expect that Scott Wright would come in and, and take a starting spot off Ryan Kent or Yanis Hadji or Joe Aribo, but if he's coming in to provide the cover. We haven't been able to rely on Jordan Jones or Greg Stewart for cover. Brandon Barker, I think, has actually done okay this season when he's been called upon and obviously scored against Ross County uh, the, when we last played the Ibrooks. But he's kind of done what's been asked of him, Brandon Barker. But extra cover in that position is, is always a good thing. That being said, um, do we need to go out of our way to bring him in this window, I shouldn't have thought that we would need to. You know, we we, um, we I don't think we did that with Jordan Jones. We, we just said, no, we'll pick you up at the end of the season and that's that. Um, I certainly wouldn't be looking to modify terms on the Ross McCrory deal to our detriment just to get this guy in quicker, you know, the three or four months quicker if he's just going to sit on the bench. Um, just wait till the contracts run down and, and pick him up in the summer. Any other comings and goings that you think will be happening? I mean, I'm a wee bit surprised that we're bringing anyone in in January. I must admit, I kind of got the feeling uh, in the summer that Gerard felt he had the players that he needed, that he had the squad. The only sort of movement I saw in January was, was sort of out the way. Now, you would assume the sort of players that you've mentioned there, Jordan Jones, 
looks like his career at Ibrox is over. Edmondson as well, you know, their, their COVID folly would you know appear to have uh, ended their careers at, at Ibrox. Also, uh, Greg Stewart, you know, it looks like he's just he just can't buy a game at the moment. You know, so is there any others that you think might be be moving out in the in the next few weeks? Possibly Glenn Middleton as well. Another one that you sort of forget is still kicking about. Yeah. Um, he's maybe got a couple of a couple more years on his side in terms of his age, but um, yeah, all those that you say there, I, I don't see much of a future for them at the club. Sadly, George Edmondson's maybe a wee bit of a shame because he's he's, he's actually always done okay when he's been in. Yeah. Um, but you've got Balogun, Hellander, Goldson, Katic ahead of you, and you've, you've been an idiot with COVID. So yeah. that's 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 it. I'm afraid that's a shame for him, but that's that's what you that's what you get. Um, I I don't expect to see anything anything coming in at all, honestly. Um, I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to upset the balance of the squad. Um, I think just just keep ploughing on. Um, Scott Wright, if there's a really, really good deal to be done with Scott Wright, where it's, you know, peanuts just to get him in. It unsettles Aberdeen, if nothing else. Um, I would do that, but... I, it's, I uns- it's unsettled the fans on Twitter already, I can tell you that. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because Scott, <laughs> they are raging. Scott Wright is, is a Ryan Jack. He's not a Johnny Hayes. Uh, and I've, I've, I still, we're sort of four years down the line of, of Ryan Jack leaving Aberdeen to come to Rangers and Johnny Hayes going to Celtic. And and Ryan Jack's a villain, but Johnny Hayes goes with our best wishes. Yeah. Well, it's clear that that Scott Wright is a Ryan Jack, not a, not a Johnny Hayes. Um, but I, you know, in that sense, it's probably even funnier that we leave him at Aberdeen for three months. Just you know, let him pick up more salary from them. You know, I'm sure it's only a few grand every week, but take that off Aberdeen, um, and then come and join us in the summer. I don't think we'll bring anyone in personally. Right, on to the sort of big topic at the moment, uh, Ross, that, you know, that sort of dominated the headlines all week, you know, <sighs> COVID, Celtic coming back for Dubai, uh, and, you know, 13 players having to self-isolate, one, uh, possibly more uh, positive cases. And, and and on the back of that, we've had, you know, the calls for the season to be suspended, you know, the, the, the Football outside the championship in this country has now stopped. It's, it's on a sort of three-week hiatus. The Scottish Cup at the moment is suspended. Stephen Gerrard making some comments uh, in his press conference on Friday there, saying that he felt, you know, no matter what happens, the season should be concluded. And he was sort of going down the road of, you know, that he, he doesn't want Rangers to, to, to be awarded the title in a similar way that, that how it was done last season. Uh, we've got Ian Maxwell issuing letters to championship clubs, asking them, do they want uh, to, to, to shut down football, all that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a big, big thing at the moment. And there seems to be, I don't know if it's mischief making or a, or a general sort of attempt to, to get the season uh, closed down. So your thoughts on that would be interesting because it's, it's it's the big topic at the moment. Yeah. Um well, I'm glad that I'm glad that David Fraser couldn't join us this evening because I've got a lot to say. Um, <laughs> I mean, first things first. Are there any other major footballing nations that are trying to cancel their leagues at this time? Because everyone else seems to just be getting on with it. I can't think. You know, you look at France, Spain, Germany, Portugal, Holland, Italy, England. No one else is talking about the canceling their season or, or stopping their season early. You've got. The vaccines, 
as everyone knows, I'm down in London. I'm not sure about the speed of the vaccine rollouts in, in Scotland or in you know the, the West of Scotland Healthcare Authority or, or wherever. But down here, it's going pretty fast. Um, people are getting vaccinated incredibly quickly. The, uh, the actual infection rate seems to be coming down. The death rate is still going up, but that seems to lag behind the infection rate. So again, down here, I don't know if it's the same in Glasgow, but the, the infection rate is going down. So we, you know, ever since COVID first burst onto the scene a year ago, we sort of knew that it would get really bad when it came to winter, because that's what these kind of viruses do. And it did. It got really, really bad over the Christmas period, um, which led to us all not seeing our families. Uh, and now it's getting a bit better again. So wh what's what's changed? What's changed from last year? Last year when, uh, you know, there was no talk of null and void. Null and void couldn't possibly happen. What's changed? Because there's a, a runaway leader, there's a big points gap, um, and there's a significant substantial number of games played. Um, I don't, I don't get it. I do not get it. I don't know what basis they would have. And, and surely, if you were Sky, uh, Sky Sports, if the season was cancelled and it was null and void, you would be banging on the door of the SPFL at nine o'clock Monday morning, saying, "Money back now," because it, this is not how business works. Um, I, I don't think that there's any need to do it. I don't think that there's any legal basis to null and void. Uh, and I think the repercussions of null and void would be uh, would be scandalous. Um, and I, I don't know how they would justify it, considering the actions that they took last year to curtail a season and hand over a trophy in a car park. Uh, I don't know how they would justify going null and void this time around. I mean, I think it's important that we have to remember that it is a public health issue, okay? And it is serious, you know, lots of people, you know, I think it's over 8,000 people have died in the United Kingdom. So, uh, I mean, my, my sort of view on it is if it gets serious enough and if there, there is evidence pointing to the fact that football is an issue, you know, that's helping spread this virus, then, then we need to look at it, you know? I mean, uh, as you know, I, I, I sort of take an interest in Camelon Juniors and you know they've they've been trying they've been trying to get a Scottish Cup tie played four weeks. You know the, yeah. the park was uh, waterlogged and then it was frozen, and Broader Rangers were travelling down from the Highlands every time. You know, and I did think at that point, you know, that's a bus full of folk, yeah. and they don't have the, the you know the testing regime that the, the top flight has. So that's a bus full of folk who are untested travelling down back up, and then Broader Rangers they eventually got the game played. They're through now. They're going on to play Hearts, who are tested. Yeah. So you're 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 then it's almost like cross contamination. You've got the potential to bring the virus into that bubble, and then that spreads through the championship and all that kind of thing. So I can see well at the lower level of the game why there are concerns. You know, what I mean, and and I would maybe question the the Scottish Cup being played this year because you are bringing in you know sort of junior clubs and, and, and lower league clubs who don't have testing facilities. However, the championship and the, the, the premiership, I think we're in a far better place now. And I think David Wren made this point on Friday and I think he's right. We're in a far better place now to deal with it because we have a testing regime. You know, the players are getting tested two, three times a week. You know, they're in their bubbles, unless, of course, they're flying off to Dubai and doing whatever they want with the pool, drinking pints, all the rest of it. But for the purposes of this conversation, you would say that they're all in their bubbles. They're all fairly safe. The, the, the sport is doing everything it can to sort of nullify the spread of the virus 
through through football. So if there's no evidence to suggest that that's not working, I mean, you're obviously going to get the odd case. We've had, you know, obviously, Hollander went down with it, you know, and you've, you've had other clubs that, that players have been out for, for a short period. That's fine, that's fair enough. But it, it seems to me that the protocols have worked in stemming the flow of, 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 of the spread of this virus. So I, I don't understand where this sort of, you know, why Ian Maxwell's writing to championship clubs saying, why do you want to, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue playing or do you want to suspend playing? You know, some of the stuff that's come out of this meeting on Wednesday, you know, Stennis Muir have made a statement. Patrick Thistle have made a statement. Uh, Falkirk as well, you know, the, the cost that it's had to their clubs but suspending football and the fact that they feel that they don't have a voice in it. You know, they're supposed to be a membership organisation, yet they were sitting at that meeting unable to speak, apparently. It does... It does make you wonder about what you know what what is actually going on in the background, and it makes you feel that Rangers don't have to play well on the part this year to make sure that they're in the best possible position to to win this title. They have to have to play well off it and in the boardroom. Yeah, definitely. Um, a, a lot of these questions, I think, were also questions that could have been asked around uh, March and April, and and you know when when the whole fiasco with the SPFL occurred. Um, if if other clubs had, you know, maybe listened to the concerns of Rangers, not about giving Celtic the title, but the legitimate concerns around the governance of Scottish football, maybe we'd be a little bit more equipped or a little bit better equipped to to handle a situation like this. But that's that ship has sailed. Um, football, you know, I I actually you're right. I I, don't, I didn't mean to underplay the the effect of COVID or the impact of COVID, and it is an incredibly serious public health issue. Um, where I think pretty much we're now at the stage where everyone knows someone who has been badly affected by COVID. Um, and a lot of our listeners will have been personally affected by COVID, and, and I don't mean to downplay the situation. But what football and elite sport across Europe has shown is that you can take mitigating steps. And that needs a, um, an incredibly thorough testing regime. It needs an incredibly thorough and sensible and pragmatic sort of set of procedures around day-to-day operations, around training and sterilisation of equipment and transport, it means that we should scrap things like international friendlies because that had an impact on COVID rates across the footballing community. You should never allow your club to fly away for a training camp. I mean, it's staggering. Um, You shouldn't be... You forgot the inverted commas. Training camp. (laughs) Training camp, or to to use the manager's words, R and R. R and R, yeah. Yeah. Um, that that sort of thing, it's, it's just a clear no, but th- there are things that you can do and, and when you take those steps properly, you can show that that you will be able to guard against this. And and Kilmarnock and, and Club Kilmarnock and St. Mirren, wasn't it, that that um, yeah. you know were originally punished by the SPFL, the SFA for breaching the guidelines. Um you know they've had to shape up and they've had to improve their procedures you cannot legislate for the stupidity of individuals and I think that the stupidity of footballers is probably greater than the stupidity of most individuals as displayed by two of our own players who no longer have a future at the club um, so you can't legislate for that and people will be idiots and, and COVID will find a way um, but you take the steps necessary to protect against it and and you know you look across Europe at the successful leagues that are running at the moment um, where no one else is talking about shutting down football, 
and you ask why us what's different about Scotland why do we have to close down football and that's when you start questioning the motives yeah I mean I, I do think there's certain individuals certainly within the media I think Keith Jackson's been quite you know vocal on this and sort of stirring it up and yeah, you do, you do kind of wonder if it's just clickbait or whether there's something else behind it. But, I mean, the final point on this, uh, Ross, that, I mean, you, you sort of touched on it earlier on, the financial implications are, are just mind-boggling if you think about it. Now, I mean, Rangers have played, is it 23 games? You know, I've paid for 38 games. Uh, and it was 38 games I was never going to get into Ibrox, you know. So I've, I've, I've spent, best part, of sort of £700, £800 on two season tickets for me and my boy. To, to watch 38 games, the majority of which we accepted at the start of the season would be through Rangers TV and, and through streaming. If that stops after 24, 25, 26 games, I think you can be fairly sure that supporters are going to be saying, well, you know, we never got a, 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 a refund last season. It's not happening two seasons in a trot. And as you say, the broadcasters as well and sponsorship, we don't have a sponsorship, a sponsor for the league at the moment, but any sponsorship that is involved uh, with Scottish football will be saying, right, as you say, cough up. You know, you didn't complete the season, yeah. give us the money back. Sky, BT, cough up, give us the money back. You know, the financial implications are, are, are pretty serious. Yeah, and if I was um, head of contracts or head of sponsorship at Sky, I would be saying that contract has to have a clause in it that if the league is not completed, um, or the league doesn't complete to a certain number of matches that we get to fulfil, then this contract is void and, and a refund is due. Um, and I'm sure that they will have done that. Um, by the way, what I will say is that I think your story with you and your son both having season tickets, it displays the loyalty that has been shown by the fans. Because I imagine that the two of you, you have separate season tickets and yet you watch the games together on Rangers TV around the laptop or something. So that's that's two season tickets to use one Rangers TV to login. Use, yeah, yeah. It's mad. And there will be families like that all across Scotland, um, all across the UK that have multiple season tickets and then crowd around the laptop together. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the nature of, of the pandemic is that people have felt the squeeze financially um, and, and would be perfectly entitled to have some money back. Um, yeah, you then start getting into thoughts about, well, what insurance would Rangers have taken out to protect against this? And, and could it be covered by business cancellation insurance or whatever? I don't know an expert on that kind of thing, but it gets really murky and really, yeah. really messy. Um, and it, it just doesn't seem necessary. No, I, I, I mean, I think the majority of supporters last season were, because of the situation, they were like, okay, this has kind of happened. And it was only what was it seven or eight games or something like that you know what I mean so I mean that, that was slightly miffed I think right I should maybe get a refund but I'm not going to make a big thing about it because there, there's bigger things happening in the world but if it was to happen you know you really are sort of chipping at that loyalty then if you if for a second year you say right we're not completing the season and he's only getting a refund you know I, I do think you're into dodgy territory there with supporters and and, and I think broadcasters and sponsors as well so yeah, the financial implications it, it, it curtailing the season at this moment, I think, would be bad. Uh, so yeah, uh, not very good. I need to. I need to. Speaking of contractual obligations, I've, I forgot to do mine, boss. Uh, I need to mention to everyone that's watching tonight about the, the the football prizes competition that we have going here at Jersey for a Barry Ferguson signed framed 
Rangers shirt and it's got the inbuilt LED lighting. Uh, it's similar to the competition that we had before, guys. There's 99 tickets available at, at £5.95. You know, you pick a number, it goes in a hat and, and the winner receives this. Uh, it's an impressive looking bit of kit and it's been signed by Barry Ferguson. So if you go into Frankie's website, uh, you'll uh, sorry, on his Twitter, you'll see how to, to, how to enter that. Uh, so I had to mention that. I forgot all about it and I've got Frankie in my ear telling me not to forget. Uh, so I think we're just about there, Ross. Is there anything else you want to mention on the, the, the closing of the season? Uh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, it. That's it. That's it. Let's play. Look, let's play it out to the end. Um, if if things are that bad, then put a temporary pause on it and 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 come back to the season at a later date. Um, but there is no need to to be entertaining the discussions of null and void that were not entertained. Ten months ago, and I would, uh, I would, I would second that wholeheartedly. Uh, so, looking at the time, guys, we're, we're we're doing quite well. So, I think that's just about all for tonight's show. So, a big thanks to Ross for his contribution there. Uh, much appreciated and great stuff from him as always. Uh, we'll have a we'll try anyway to get a, a Friday preview show out for the the Ross County game next week at Ibrox. Uh, and maybe try and get something out for the Hibs game as well. We'll obviously have the flagship show next Sunday, looking at the game uh, next Saturday, so look out for that. In the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. There will be information on there about the, the competition as well for the Barry Ferguson signed shirt. Uh, and until next time, guys, stay safe, look after yourselves, and until next time, bye for now.